All right, welcome to Long Island's number one pro wrestler broadcast. Monty DeFaro filmed every Thursday from 9 to 10 p.m. out of Indie Music TV at the producer's land. I've missed him a lot, the youngster. Matty Ice, Matty, how are you, buddy? I'm doing pretty all right. I'm a little tired, but, you know. You're too young to be a little tired. What are you a little tired from? Uh, I'm working nine to five now, so you know oh, it's a bit of a change boy, that, for that's, me. That's rough. Yeah, I love that's it, dude. Rough. You have lunch, you yeah. have half hour lunch, two fifteen minute breaks. Whoa, thirty minute lunch? We're talking about an hour lunch here. You have an Whoa. hour lunch. I guess yeah. you're tired from chewing your food. At lunch. Oh yeah. Okay, I just wanted to <laughs> wanted to break down exactly what oh, point Matt, you're just tired until the time you hook up with one of your employees and you can have sex at lunch. Interesting. Not like we've ever done something like that. Not me. I'm married, dude. Yeah, right. To the right is the star of the show, Mr. Jimmy Farrell. Jimmy, how are you? I don't know about to the right. There's nobody over there, but how you doing? You're star to my show? right. I am to your about? right. You but, are you know, to I was right. looking for the star of the show. I didn't I'm very I... excited for part two with Flash Flanagan, who we're going to get yes. to in a minute. Yes, yes. yes. But real quick, a man led police at Donna Chase just so he could finish his hamburger. Have you ever been so hungry that a satisfying your burger craving meant that more to you than a stint in jail? <laughs> One man in Louisiana claims he didn't stop for the police as he was trying to pull him over because he wanted to eat his hamburger. Alan Seabury. You sure that's not Salisbury? Yeah, Salisbury steak. You know? Good. Are I you like sure? That. I like that. Oh, it is Seabury. Wait a minute. A 37-year-old resident of Monroe, Louisiana. Oh, I remember that town. Oh. Was driving his not 2006 <laughs> Chevy Impala with lights so bright that the police couldn't see at least. Oh, That's boy. what the officers of Volvo claiming. Okay. But when Officer Dylan Johnson flipped on his own red and blues for Seabury to pull over, the man in the Impala decided to make the escape because he wanted to eat his hamburger. You know, I, I this is this this seems fishy to me. You know, they fish, claim fish they burger. Claim, yeah, well, it could be. It could be. A, it could be. A, it could, yeah, it could be. But what 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 I'm not getting here is is that they said he was driving with his lights so bright that they couldn't see. At least that's what they said. I think that they wanted his hamburger. I think that they were like, what's that guy eating? Didn't you ever see Cheech and Chong where the cop winds up asking Cheech, is that a hot dog? Can I have that? Dude, I think many times I told you when I was in the military and I was yeah. in Louisiana, yeah. that those cops are crooked. <laughs> yeah, they wanted his hamburger. And, they- <laughs> and he was hungry. And he's like, fuck this. I'm not giving you my fucking hamburger. So he took off. And this guy like- kind of rules. Kind of rules. Good little story. How much time do you think a guy in Louisiana gets for running from the cops? Probably life in prison. Probably life in prison <laughs> without <laughs> parole. Without <laughs> parole. Yeah, pretty much. I want to thank the band that sings the theme song for Monty DeFaro and Jimmy Farrow, along with his partner, <clears throat> Bart Griggs, make up the band Wisteria Hall. <laughs> Wisteria Hall sings such great songs as In My Dreams, This Life, Not Far Behind, Here Comes a Rain, That's you can find said. their music. That's what we On said. the Wisteria Hall YouTube page, please hit like and subscribe. Yeah. Download the music on Spotify, Apple Music, Reverb Nation. Also, if you didn't know it, you are watching Long Island's number one pro wrestler broadcast, Monty Nefaro. You can catch us on the Monty Nefaro YouTube page and Monty Nefaro Facebook Live page. Hear us on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Anchor. See us on Twitch TV, the Monty Nefaro page. And if you live in New York, uh, which Mr. Flanagan does not, channel 115 every Tuesday from 9.30 to 10 p.m. and Saturday at 11.30 p.m. To 12 as we go head-to-head with Saturday Night Live. We want to thank the 80,000 viewers that watch us weekly in New York. Thank you for the love and support. And if thank you. Uh, oh, thank you. you don't get normal rest and you're a little abnormal, <laughs> Channel that? 20, Tuesday at 1 a.m. Oh, that's me. And we also want to thank our partner, Amazon Music, has, who's taken on the Monty and the Pharaoh show. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back with pro wrestling superstar, Mr. Flash Flanagan. Uh, you mean Mr. Slash Venom? Never mind. I like Flash Flanagan. I really dig the Puerto Rican approach, but that's me. See you you like sec. that Puerto Rican stuff? Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, wait a minute. I don't yeah. mean that. He's right. Later. In a sec. Elm Logistics. For all your logistic needs, call 631-299-3595. That's 631-299-3595. Elm Global Logistics. Pride Performance and partnerships. And APB, American Protection Bureau, voted number one best on Long Island for all your security needs. Call 631-390-9050. That's 631-390-9050. APB.
The Monty and the Pharaoh Show is brought to you by... Because wine is your second favorite four-letter word. California wine, New York attitude, good fucking wine. Yeah. All right, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestler broadcast, Monty DeFaro, seen only here out of Indie Music TV, where we welcome back for part two, because part one was very popular. Yeah. Mr. Flash well. Flanagan. Flash, how are you, buddy? How's everything going, my I'm friend? You looking you good. Doing? You're looking good, bro. You're looking good. Flash, I'm a little confused. Uh, I just am curious. Uh, the jersey you're wearing, you mentioned before we came on the air, is a Cubs jersey, but you're also yeah. a Colts uh, Colts fan, I think, if I not, remember. Not, big, not really a big Colts fan. I quit watching football when I started protesting and everything. Oh, okay. I don't want to see guys protest. I want to see them play. Gotcha. You know, a lot of us feel that way. A lot of us feel that way. And, okay. What, and then you... I want to see them hit people. I don't – I mean <laughs> – I don't get it anymore. Are you saying football's like, you, getting soft? I everything's getting soft. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know the consequences when you're getting into it. You, you're getting paid millions of dollars. I mean, if you don't want to go out there and do it, get a real job. That sucks. There you <laughs> go. go out there and, and go out there and you're playing one game a week. You got practice. But I don't know. That's just me. So what, you think that actors and uh, entertainers, athletes, uh, they really shouldn't use their power on the public to share their thoughts on political agendas or religious I agendas? I personally could do without it if it takes a little heat off your answer. <laughs> <laughs> I could do without it. <laughs> I don't know. I just I just don't get the world anymore. <laughs> I like, I'm a hermit anymore, I guess. I just like staying around by myself. I want to be around people. It just, I don't know, it's rubs me the wrong way. Isn't it weird how life has turned? It's like people just want to stay, like, understanding with what's going on with COVID and everything else, it seems like people are more comfortable just uh, sitting at home. Well, uh, well, here's my, my whole thought process. It was social media and everything. Like, I don't hardly ever do any podcast. I just... And then, to me, guys, there was no Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or any of that stuff back in the 80s or anything. Guys like Randy Savage, there aren't any guys like that anymore. I mean, you didn't know anything about these guys' personal lives or anything. All you saw was you saw on TV. Now, you look at wrestlers now, everyone looks the same. They all work the same. And... You see one match, you see the same thing you're going to see in the next match. So there's nothing different. So I just, like I said, I may have just, I'm, I'm behind the times, I guess. I don't know. Well, I think maybe what you're trying to share is wrestling was, um, I mean, look, to be fair, you could you could even say this about our show, right? Uh, wrestling was in an... Uh, a very exclusive club and if you were lucky enough to be part of it it was something special and then you could get two clowns like me and the pharaoh hey, all of a sudden minute. have a very popular pro wrestling show minute. and we we know absolutely nothing about pro wrestling now, so i guess i guess Speak i understand yourself no, but i understand. what the hell <laughs> two, two clowns oh my god hey flash what are you doing this weekend i'll come hang out with you what the heck is this <laughs> Two clowns. Flash, do you think that it's been ruined because of the way uh, wrestling is no longer really concentrating on building a, a, a star like a Hogan or a star like a Stone Cold Steve Austin, and it's more become a corporate thing, like, you know, they want everybody to just be a part of the cog, but not the shining, you know, the shiny, well, sexy part like a Hogan or a Savage or a Stone Cold or a John Cena I don't even. Think I don't think Vince wants anyone as popular as those guys anymore. Tell us why. He's like, well, if, if like Steve Austin or The Rock, if they come in, they can pretty much do what they want to do. What's he? What's Vince going to say? I mean, those guys are over. So now he wants you to get over, but don't want you to get over too much. Because if you get over too much, I got to bring you back down. And the fifty-fifty booking—that's stupid. I mean, some guys are over, and some guys aren't. And some guys know the road. Hey, 
go out there and put someone over. That's your job. Okay, fine. Like uh, when they brought Joe Henning in, and then they climbed Curtis Axel. He could. Why couldn't Vince? He, he the perfect son. He got a guy that was already over. So Curtis Henning was already over as Mister Perfect. You bring his son in. Now he's the, the second coming of perfection, or he's almost perfect, where he's not as good as his dad, but everything he does, he's almost there. He like do the vignettes. He almost hits the home run. He almost throws the touchdown. Or it could have been the and guy t- that just couldn't do shit, and like everything he did yeah. was a mess. Now that would have been pretty funny. Because uh, like, Mr. Imperfect, Mr. Imperfect. Yeah, I like that. And then DiBiase's kid. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. There's the perfect thing. There's another example. You got Teddy Biasi there. It's like the million dollar man. He could have been sitting there and has so much heat on his son by buying title opportunities for him and all this other stuff. Buying his way through everything in wrestling. And two guys that were wasted. What do you think when you see a guy like Cody Rhodes, who is very different from his father, but yet he's successful? I. What's your thought process with the Cody Rhodes, or do you think he only found that stardom once he broke away from Vince's ideologies? I don't get the thing with having Arn as his uh, trainer. I don't get that part. Okay. I mean, we're, uh, to me, I mean, like, unless Arn's son is going to turn on Cody, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, really, I, don't have, I don't really watch the show a whole lot, but... You had the Rhodes-Anderson feud for so long. You got Blanchard there now. It's like, why those guys aren't going after Cody and taking care of him? So, Right. Hey, Flesh, let me ask you. Are you happy that you became a professional wrestler? Are you, are you happy that's the route you took with your life? And then the second part of the question is, do you miss the relationship with your, your wrestling family? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, actually, I mean, when I was doing this, I mean, we were going every night. We were having fun. The boys were the boys. And it just it doesn't seem like that way anymore. I mean, uh, like I said, times have changed. And I guess I'm still stuck back in time. But, but <laughs> you are you, but you are glad that you chose wrestling as a life. Uh, yes and no. Okay. Yeah, because uh, when I was in, I might have been a freshman in high school when I met Sting, and I was telling him I want to be a professional wrestler. And he's like, "You better think about it, kid." And I'm sitting there, like, and while he's telling me this, I'm like, "Think about it. I got nothing to think about. I've been thinking about this in the past already, past ten years. I'm going to be a professional wrestler." And then. Years down the road, that's when I caught on to what he really meant by it. you better think about it because he doesn't tell you about all the backstabbing and all that stuff that goes on in wrestling. So I was like, then once you get in there and you start seeing everything, then you start understanding what he actually meant by it. you better think about it. And then it's like, not everyone's going to be Hulk Hogan. No one's, not everyone's going to be Steve Austin. Not everyone's going to be The Rock. But there's a spot there for everyone if you can work. And... That's just my thought on stuff. So let me, is your experience with wrestling, the backstabbing and the, a lot of the bad stuff, do you think it's just a microcosm of what the real world, the real world is like, or is it just worse in the wrestling world where people are just cutthroating their way up? Uh, no, I think actually wrestling smartens you up to all that. And you actually see how the world works. Hmm. <laughs> Is it, has, that makes sense. Yeah. No, it does. It makes a lot of sense. Like, I can be in a room, and I can listen to someone talking, and I'm like, okay, this guy's full of it. This okay. guy's okay. I can talk to this guy. And you know what guys are blowing smoke and what guys are legit. Okay, I, this guy's cool. But some guys, like, you sit there, and they're talking to you. And, got, and you can get in, get in the locker rooms anymore. You're guys talking. It's like, man, just shut up. <laughs> it's like... It just some guys just get me. You just you can look at them like, all right, you don't have a clue who trained you. I was in the ring with a guy not too long ago, and 
he just comes up to me and says, hey, this is what I do. I'm going to do this to you and this to you. I'm like, no, you're not. Now you're going to listen to me and just shut up. And then I, I watched him go to the ring. He went to the ring. Had no, he's like, he had no ring presence at all. He just walked to the ring, got in the ring, and just stood there and waited. I was like, you didn't even work the crowd. You didn't do anything. And I was like, God, is it come to this? And I just, it made me just sit there like, that's why I was like, man, I don't even want to be a wrestler anymore. <laughs> but then there's nights you get out there and you get someone that can go and can work. It's like, man, this is great. But then there's, there's more times anymore. You get there with guys that can't work. And it's like, God, guys pulling teeth. What do you, do you think that's the problem is, is that there's, the wrestling schools out. Look, we were joking, but maybe not in some ways. Nowadays, everybody <laughs> could be a television star, an actor. Like, you can make a movie on your phone. Do you think that there's just too many wrestling schools out there and just no one's getting proper training? And now anybody could be a wrestler from a five foot four Marco stunt to, you know, whoever. Well, I mean, listen to Cornette. I mean, I can sit down and listen to Cornette all day because I could agree with everything he says. And it's like, Cornette's right. But I do disagree with one thing that he says. I mean, he's like, oh, the toothpaste out, you can't put it back in. I think it can be. It just, guys just, I don't know. You sit there, you like Jake, when Jake with the DDT, you knew that was it. That's his move. Now every match has a DDT in it or something. And so everyone's doing the same exact moves. And that's why I can't watch AEW hardly. You watch the first match, you've seen every match because you know they're all going to do the dives out to the floor. And no one knows how to do a dive anymore. Everyone sits there waits for everyone to pile around together. And then, okay, now they all wait for the guy to jump out there on top of them. How, how hard is that? You, you can see that coming. And they're all watching the guy climb to the top rope, and they're waiting, just waiting to catch him. Why don't they just split the seat and let him crash? I just, woo. How about the smaller guys? How about the smaller <laughs> guys, Flash? What do you think about the smaller guys? Like recently, uh, AEW's debuted Taz's son, Hook, and uh, my forearms probably my forearms probably got him. He's like he. How, how much would you say he weighs, Mike? Probably buck seventy, maybe. Uh, what's, buck what's your take on these smaller guys becoming? Uh, you know, potential main event players, and some of them even winning world titles, the smaller guys. Uh, I've never seen the guy work, so okay. I, don't, I don't even know who he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, is uh, some guys are small. Go ahead. Uh, there's, there's a spot for some guys like that. But are you, is, do you really think people are going to want to buy a ticket? I mean, are they going to be that believable? you thinking, man – that guy could actually beat someone up. Do you, do you think so? Do you think the most popular time for wrestling, like the Attitude Era, and the things that happened at that time, and then ECW, and all that uh, quick gratification, now has ruined the business? Uh, so, what was so popular back then has created what you just had identified as what we're seeing now as the wrestling fan no longer wants to wait for a story, no longer wants to wait for an arm bar. They just want to see all high spots 24-7, and this is why the sport, in my opinion, in a lot of cases, is dying. Well, it goes back, I mean, who was it? There's uh, someone I watched. Man, I watched someone else long ago, and they were pretty, they were pretty good. I'm trying to think who it was. And they weren't very big. I wonder if he's talking about Brian Danielson. He's good. No, I like watching him. They're both excellent. They're both excellent. I, they're not even small, in my opinion. I think that they're smaller, but I don't consider them small. Even Adam though Daniel Bryan would probably be considered Adam small. Cole. Adam Cole, baby. So Adam Cole's a good wrestler, in my opinion, great Flash. Wrestler. But I never, love him. Way I, I too never small. Seen him work. I've never seen him work until he made a. I watched the AEW show and I've seen him on there. He's got. I can't it remember factor. who he worked with. He's got it. Factor. He was good. Yeah. It, everything he did, it, it. He told a story. It was mm-hmm. good. Yep. But he's he looks 
tiny. He's, he's small. too small. He's small. Does it even count if you play large? I mean, you know, to me, like Roddy Piper could be in the ring with Andre. There's a huge disparity there. But Roddy Piper made you believe that somehow he might do something you know, to, Flesh, to pull that, it off. That's a great question, Farrell. Flesh, let me ask you that. I mean, we're all aware now that Roddy Piper probably at his best was probably 210 pounds. To me, one of the all-time greats, probably one of my favorites. Absolutely. Why did we accept Roddy Piper against Hulk Hogan, but we have trouble accepting an Adam Cole? Because Roddy Piper was believable. Larger than life. Yeah. Larger than life. You sit there and you're like, this guy, you don't know what he's going to do. And this this is coming from a guy here who was too small. When I was signed with WWE – here I am. I'm like 205, and I'm I'm surrounded by Brock and Batista and those guys, mm-hmm. and so I'm the small guy. So that's coming from from me. That's complaining about guys being too small, mm. but it just I don't know anymore. It's wrestling's changed. The world's changed. <laughs> the sports, all sports have changed. Like he's you always hear basketball. You're like, oh, he's the greatest, blah, blah, blah. He's got this many titles. Basketball, the times have changed. Right. I mean, it was more physical back in the day. Now it's like you just graze someone, foul. Yeah, touch foul. Football, right. you touch someone, hit them too hard. Oh, right. that's, a, that's a penalty. Right. I want to see a car crash. <laughs> he wants to see the ninety four the ninety four Knicks say, post you know up. What? You get paid millions of dollars to hurt somebody because yeah. we want to watch people get hurt. As yeah. sick as it may sound, yeah. that's what people are it's getting football. paid for. It's not I, cake. I, I totally get yeah. it. Let yeah. me, Flesh. Let me ask you this: um, a while, well, are we almost at a year yet? Uh, that well, not really. But New Jack passed away. I know you had some sort of relationship with New Jack. First, can you share your thoughts when you <laughs> found out that Jack had passed away? And also, could you maybe share some stories about you and Jack? I didn't tell the story about how I almost got him killed. You no, almost sir. Got new, you almost got New Jack killed. Yeah, on a rib. Okay, <laughs> what'd you do? Oy, oy. All right. They brought New Jack in, and they brought Pondo down to Puerto Rico. And they just brought him in for the weekend. And Jack was my partner, and we were having a tag match on the first night they brought him in. And Jack was going to do the, the – he was going to jump off the top of uh, the ring truck and go through the table and do the splash on Pondo. But Pondo was in the back, and I forgot Pondo was double-jointed in his knee. He could take his leg and turn it all the way around backwards. So it looks like he broke it. So I was like, hey, let's rib them. And Jack, when you go and you do the splash off on Pondo, and one, two, three, I'll just go on back to the back, and I'll just say you broke Pondo's leg. <laughs> and we'll get into it. And this is right after he stabbed that kid in Florida. So he already had a bad reputation. <laughs> so he get one, two, three, Pondo's still on his leg. I go straight on back to the curtain. And Bushwhacker Luke was like, mate, what happened? I go, he wanted to do that stupid move, and he, was, he jumped off the top of that truck. It's raining out there, and he broke Pondo's leg. I told him not to do it. So then Jack comes through the curtain. He starts cussing and yelling at me. He goes, you idiot. So you, you set the table up too far. I'm like, you're the one who set the table up. What are you yelling at me for? So we're yelling back and forth at each other. I'm like, oh, what are you going to do, stab me in front of everybody? He goes, oh, no, you didn't. He pulls out a knife. Starts coming towards me. Oh my god! Well, hey, this and I'm standing there holding my kendo stick, and he's coming at me with a knife. Well, the boys they all reach in their bags for their guns. Oh shit! <laughs> and oh, shit. two of my buddies that were referees, he was getting ready to walk between them, and one of them had his hand on the gun, and because they're both brothers, and the other one was getting hooked Jack's arm, and the other one was gonna shoot Jack in the head. A few more steps, Jack was going to make it out of there. The referee. And I seen what was going on. Like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. This is a rib. <laughs> stop, stop. And then Jack starts laughing. And I told him, hey, Jack, you almost got killed. He's like, ah, like, yeah, they're about to shoot you. Did Jack, <laughs> did Jack worry you at all, Flesh? Uh, he was always cool with me. I never had a problem, but I was always nervous. 
because you never know. You, sometimes you never knew with him. But he was always cool with me. Never had a problem. Who was your closest brother in pro wrestling? <sighs> Man, there's so many guys. Because <sighs> I mean, I got stories to everybody. I mean, fights that happen within the crowd. I mean, I, one time I got in a fight in the crowd and I told Doug Gilbert to watch my back. And all I told you was don't jump in. I mean, just make sure no one sneaks up on me or anything. Doug was right there by my side. Like, Doug, Wolfie D, and then OVW guys back in the day. I mean, well, let me ask you about Wolfie. Puerto Rico. Let me ask you about Wolfie D. Wolfie D, uh, we've come somewhat close with him, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Really wonderful guy. Can you share like your feelings about Wolfie D and how you built that relationship with him? Uh, this all started, like, Steve, uh, I met him a few times before I came, went to Memphis. He came in there and he did a show, some shows for Danny Davis. And then uh, I was in Memphis and me and Steve Dahl was working with him and Jamie. And it was always that fun. And then later on, when uh, after UCWA closed down, me and Wolfie started working with each other for Burt. He was doing uh, Music City Wrestling. And we were working each other. Then we started teaming up. We were the black sheep. And then Burt closed down. And see, that's when uh, OVW started doing their stuff. See, then Wolfie came in up there. He was doing the, the Slash gimmick. Then uh, he went to TNA. I was with WWE at the time. I just got released. And he had like 30 days. So couldn't do anything like so that my 30th day was the next day I went to TNA. And uh, that's when they told me, they said, dye your hair black. We're going to call you Cobain. I go, all right. I go, is there anything else? What do you need? And then I get there to the show, and Russo was like, what, do you, what's your, what kind of gear you got? I got my wrestling tights and stuff. Go, no one ever said anything. Was all I said, they told me to dye my hair black. And... Went out. They go. Well, what would Kurt Cobain wear? I'm like, I don't know. What would he wear? He's right now. He's wearing a body bag. It's Mike's Mike's favorite musician, by the way, is Kurt Cobain. I just <laughs> wanted to mention that he loves him, especially his contributions to the '90s after the '80s. But uh, <laughs> and so then I go out. To, uh, well, go get some jeans and dirty him up in a t-shirt. Yeah, oh, the flannel. Man. Grab a flannel from Seattle. Well, I went. I went and got some jeans and a t-shirt. And I went out to the ring, and they start chanting Nashville Brawler. Oh, right. And I'm like, I'm done already on my very first night. <laughs> <laughs> and I came back to the back. I told Jeff, I go, that's not going to work. He's like, well, change it up a little bit, see what you can do next week. So I changed it up a little bit. It was better, but then I came there the next week and wasn't booked. Then the next week I wasn't booked. Then like the next week I wasn't booked. Like, man. Screw that. I'm not driving to Nashville from Indianapolis every Wednesday and I'll be booked on a show and I get paid. I go, I'm done with that. That's when I went to Puerto Rico. Then Wolfie calls me up. Hey, where are you at? I go, I'm in Puerto Rico. Man, they're going to put the belts on us. Like, no one ever told me anything. It was just showing up. Oh, we, oh you're not here. You know, we don't have a book tonight. It was so unorganized and so, was, God. <laughs> It was bad. Did you enjoy Puerto Rico? Or you, you ever Loved missed, it. You ever miss Puerto Rico or think about going back to yes. visit, Lisa? What was it about Every Puerto Rico that made it. everybody love you so much there? Did you ever try to like figure that out? Why, why was the success so, so over the top in Puerto Rico compared to other places for you? Uh, I brought violence. Nice. And that I had took to help. violence. Yeah. Uh, I'm paying for it now. My body's yeah. all banged up, but you know. Was it worth it? They like violence. Was it? Was it worth and it? We had a one night. We did a, a Christmas show, and my dad came down to visit me. And he was out in the crowd, and we're in a cage match. Me and Apollo was working with uh, Ricky Banderas and Vampiro, and a riot breaks out in the crowd, and we're looking out there. And the, the whole there probably, I mean, there's probably about fifteen thousand people there. And it's a big fight. <laughs> and we're in the cage, 
And now I'm thinking, oh, man, I hope my dad's okay out here. He's probably the only American out in the crowd. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I hope he's away from all this stuff. I don't know where he's at. Cause he, all I knew he was sitting on the crowd somewhere. Get then, uh, so I'm like, well, shoot, I got to watch my back now. So if someone comes down and stab me, because it's like, now I got to get from here, the ring back to the back, make sure I'm okay. And so they finally, we got to the back and riot, the riot squad shows up and people are getting escorted out or being on stretchers and stuff or the fights and all that. And then you look out in the crowd and it's about now half full. <laughs> They said another match going on. It was it was wild. <laughs> you know, you mentioned Vampiro. He's got a show on our network. He's been in studio. What was Vampiro like uh, as a person? Uh, I know what he was as a wrestler. What kind of interactions did you have with Vampiro as a person? Any? I always got along with him. I mean, I can't say anything bad about him. He was always good to me. As far as I know, I don't think he ever stabbed me in the back. Yeah, well, I'm not looking for anything bad. I'm just wondering, you know, seems like a very, very intelligent man with a lot of uh, deep thoughts. And I was wondering, like, if you guys ever sat down and had some deep conversations. No, no. <laughs> I, I'm, like, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to sit there and like, oh, hey, let's go to deep thought. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Flesh, you're not. You're, are you saying you're not deep? What's going on here? What are you talking about? You're an intellectual wrestler. What are you talking about? So, Flesh, what kind of injuries have you received from, like, what's going on with your body right now? Oh, just uh, basically the knees, shoulder, neck, joints. <laughs> and not smoking joints, but, like, my finger joints and Well, that'll, that'll, help, that. you, that'll help you with the joint pain to smoke joints. That's, <laughs> that's a whole other thing. But, so, speaking... I mean, you... you you can see my hands. You just look at my hands where I have my fingers broken and all that. I've just taped them up, and I just they're just all crooked and everything Flash, right now. Flash was Flash when you were in Puerto Rico. I'm just curious. I know you were there years after Brody was murdered, but was the shadow of of Brody's death still somehow in the oh, air? Yeah. It was. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, they brought Invader in, and I will say this to me when they brought him in to IWA. Because we were packing arenas out every night, and they brought him in, and it was just one of the guys in the office goes, I'm not working with him because he's a murderer. <laughs> I said that right there to him. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> and then we were in the arena at that ballpark where it all happened, and I'm in the shower, and one of the guy's sons comes running out with a knife and throws it in the shower as a rib, and he comes running back out. <laughs> and I look around, and then over in the corner was Invader in the locker room, just sitting there with his head, like, just watching. But we did a, uh, with Invader, he buried all the time. They brought him in, they had him in the office. And I'm like, man, what does he have on you guys? Because, man, he is burying all your top talent. And all, and all the guys that are over, he's burying them. And then every guy you're trying to build up, he's building them up where, they're all under him where he's the top guy. It's like, can't you guys see that? And slowly he just started burying everybody. And then it's got, it was so depressing. I hated being there. And I had a hardcore match with uh, Chicano. And I, we had been feuding with each other for a while. And we were bleeding every night. And it's like, now they want to stop the match for blood in a hardcore match. I'm like, really? You don't think that people are going to fart on that? And that is terrible. And I'm like, all right, that's what you want. Okay. And me, just being me, I went out there and we did a spot where he threw me in the trash can and I gigged my cheek and got a trickle of blood. And they stopped the match. And I came to the back and like, where's all the juice? I'm like, you wanted a stupid finish and I gave you one. And... Invader heard that, and like, well, we gave him the ball, and he dropped it. So then they took the heavyweight title off of me, then they took the hardcore title off of me, and it went along after that, as I said. And it got to the point, like I said, I was my own worst enemy at times. I got hooked on Soma's, and it, it, it 
Savio and then the kind of they saved me. And I, I always pray Savio, Miguel Perez, Victor Kilners. Savio. If they didn't if they didn't step in and help me out, I probably wouldn't be here today. And well, could you could you can maybe share a little more about that situation? Uh, I mean, I just was, I was bad. And I was like, I sit there and I, I'd watch the show when it come on Saturday mornings before, before you have to get ready to leave. And I'm watching the show and I'm like, man, I can see that I'm messed up. But I was like, God, I was sad when I thought I performed like I should. I just, I could see that in my, in my eyes and everything. And then I'm in, I'm in there, I'm looking like, man, I'm messed up. I got to get off this. And then I was like, but let me take these, and I'll, I'll, I'll stop after that. And it, it was just a roller coaster effect. It going and going and going. I couldn't get off of them. And uh, they found me on the floor in the office one night at 3 in the morning, and I was just gone. And that's when they sent me home. I was like, God. What, what, but, what made you start down that road in the first place? What was it that triggered this? I was, get, I was injured, and I was having trouble sleeping. And you used to go to the pharmacy and buy them. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the more you bought, the cheaper you got them. You got a discount the more you bought. And it's like, I never seen anything like it. It was great, but it wasn't great. But uh, got on that, I was like, man. And then I, I would, I would like, take a couple of them and some, I'd take a Vicodin, and then I had to take a shot for my back. I just, it was one of those, I didn't want to go home, didn't heal up. I was like, hey, I got to keep going. And, I, it took me a while to get myself over down there, and now that I got myself over, I got I want to stay. And so it was just night after night, just going out there. Cause I didn't. It wasn't like I went out there and took a night off. I went out there every night to shut the house down, and that's that's like advice. You try to I mean, try to give younger guys advice and tell them, hey man, you can't put your body through that every single night. You just can't. Did you have any choice you know, words? Did you have any choice words for Invader when you left the territory, considering all that he did to, no. dam- to damage the uh, the work around you and your work itself too, stripping you of belts? No. And considering he probably shouldn't have been in that position in the first place, considering he's a murderer. No, I mean, I just it was what it was, mm-hmm. and I mean, I was glad I had a job as long as I did. And Fair enough. Fair I enough. knew I needed to get out of there. I needed a break, and I, when they sent me home, I said, great, I needed this. But then I came home, and then I got myself cleaned up, and then I went back, and everything was good. There you go. Did you have a favorite territory in your career? Is there one place? Is it, is it Puerto Rico, or is it OVW, where you are a quadruple champion, if I'm not mistaken yeah. now? Do we have that right now? Oh. Yeah, it's right now. Okay, okay, okay uh, very good, very good. OVW was fun. Is it your favorite though? Do you have a favorite promotion? Uh, if you had to pick one, Puerto Rico was a blast. Hmm. Smoky Mountain would have been way better if I could have got there sooner, because here I am. I'm twenty, twenty-one years old, and I'm there in the locker room with all the guys that I grew up watching, and everyone was helping out and. and teaching and, and getting to learn every night. It's like, this is great. And then they closed down. I was like, man, that was kind of depressing. And then that's when after, long, long after that, that's when I went to USWA. Was Cornette your greatest teacher? I mean, who did you learn the most from? Uh, Cornette, uh, Rip Rogers. Okay. But at the time, see, like, when I started out, Rip was, he was teaching me. I learned a lot from Rip, but Rip was so sarcastic and stuff. At times, you didn't know how to take him. And I was like, "Man, does Rip like me?" <laughs> you didn't know. Okay. And but then I could see that as I as I learned down the how what Rip was doing. He's teaching in the wrestling business how cutthroat what guys are doing to you. But he's if he's messing with you, it's because he likes you. And Rip, I learned so much, and I was like, "Man, I didn't realize I was learning until." When you're learning it, so your karate, I don't know that came your, out your, right, it, was, it was your Karate Kid moment. Uh, yeah, but uh, it took late, years later. It was like later on. It was like, man, I realized what you were doing. It was great. So now it's like you sit, you can sit there in a locker room and rib guys, and it's like he doesn't even realize I'm ribbing you. <laughs> That's the funny part. Sometimes. 
So explain this to me. Why does Cornette get so much praise? This is a guy, right, who bought his way into the industry, I think, right? And he was never a wrestler. Uh, you know, he's just a, you know. One of a, the greatest managers of all ma- time. But he was a manager. One of the greatest talkers of all but he was, time. You know. He was those things. But why, why is he held in such high regard for his knowledge about pro wrestling? Well, I mean, there was times, like, I would want to do things, and then he would tell me why I couldn't do it. He's like, I, I, when he didn't want to sit there and explained it, and hey, it makes sense. I see now why, what you're trying to say. I, I watched, I was watching a punk talking about Tony Atlas one time about the tape. Yeah, he talked about that, the the wrist tape he had all up his arm, and I get that. I know exactly what he's coming from on that. I know Punk's thought on that, and I know Tony Atlas's thought because Buddy Wayne would, it was the same way when we were down there in Memphis. Buddy Wayne was like, oh, you kids, you got knee pads on, you got that tape. So we didn't wear any of that stuff whenever I was going on. So you wore tape when you have tape this match. You don't wear knee pads. Like, yeah, but that's why your knees are all messed up. Was Cornette the exception to the rule? Because I think that's interesting what you said, that the promoter would actually explain to you why something shouldn't be done a certain way. Did most promoters, I would think most promoters wouldn't even tell you why you're doing something wrong. They tell you what you're going to do, go out there and do it. Was was Cornette more than just a promoter? No, I mean, it sounds like he's an educator as well as a promoter. Seems kind like of he rare. Would, he, would have, he would just give you the gist of what he wanted. Okay. And then if you, can't, if you had any ideas, you would throw them out there. And sometimes, hey, that's great. And then there's sometimes like, no, don't do that. This is why. I'm like, okay, now I understand why I should do that. Okay, cool. But you felt and, uh, comfortable approaching Jim Cornette, though. He didn't have an aura like, you better not bother him right now. No. I, okay. I mean, I knew, and I was in the Smoky Mountain, I kind of watched what I said. Mm-hmm. But uh, cause I was just getting my foot in the door. But then, like, I, then I had already known him when he came to OVW, so I, I had that connection already. So I didn't have much of a problem saying anything to him. So real quick, pick me your favorite promotion back against the wall. Is it Puerto Rico? Is it OVW? What is it? Oh, man. I'm going to make you answer this one. Got to pick one for me. Got to be one. If I, could, if, I could go, if I could go to one right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Smoky Mountain. Smoky Mountain. Very good. Very good. And I would go to Smoky Mountain in Puerto Rico. <laughs> Smoky Mountain in Puerto Rico. You should see those mountains up Only there. Only going to like the weather down there. <laughs> I like that. You got a little combo Hey, Flash, going. what were the paydays in Puerto Rico? Ooh. I, it was a guarantee. You weren't going I for taco. You weren't going for week, taco bell after. Am I being bad? I'm being bad. What'd you say? Uh, nothing. I better not say it again. I don't want to get us kicked off YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> uh, were, were, were you able to go to a steakhouse, or were you stuck going through the drive-through? I mean, no, what are we, I could go, what I could are we talking? To steakhouse. Oh, there we go. I could go to the steakhouse if I wanted to. We should go to Puerto Rico. I had a free place to live. That, nice. I had a free place to live. And yeah. Lived on the beach. And nice. Like I said, all I was at was my food. Any thoughts on Carlos Colon? I'd always got along with Carlos. I worked for him. But, uh, oh, man. I, I hate saying anything bad about him now because I still go to Puerto Rico every now and then. <laughs> but did I didn't he, have a problem with him. Did, do you think he got I away like, with? Do you think he got away with something, perhaps, with the Brody thing too, or uh, you just don't want to touch that one because you want to get to that steakhouse? I'm going to that steakhouse. Yeah, good man. He's smart. <laughs> that's Mike. A, that's a, gotta, smart a smart guest. <laughs> All right, Flesh, we're going to hit you with something we call the Pharaoh's final question. We want to thank you for joining the show. Absolutely, you are a pleasure to talk to and a hell of a guy. And I thank you for everything that you've been sharing with us and. Thank you for, I know you don't do a lot of these, so thank you for at least taking yes. your time with us. We feel actually privileged that you uh, gave us the opportunity to uh, talk I, I to you and interview. I will say one Bison, Bison Smith was probably one of the most underrated guys in the business. He worked for Noah. He was from, uh, he's from I think he's from Fresno. He was great. He was a big man. That he should have worked for Vince. And, uh, Oh man, it's a shame. So I was, I went down. See, I was. He passed away in 2011, I believe. I was down there, and I was talking to him on the phone. And this is this is like September, and uh, he couldn't he couldn't leave the house. I well, I'll just catch you next time I come down here. It was all right. And then uh, the next month, I got a text running. 
and it was about the Colts. He's like, Colts suck. And I just <laughs> laughed. And then uh, about a month later, I got a text that Bison passed away. Mm. I was like, Phew. It was hard. We're going to hit him with the final one? Hit him with the final one. All right. Flash, I'm going right, to hit you. It. I'm going to hit you with the final question for the week. Uh, this week, we're actually going to be talking about this. Uh, of course, this will be on the day after, but we're talking about the greatest wrestling matches in the history of this business. I want you to name me, in your opinion, you know, if it's your favorite match, fine. You can answer it any way you want. What do you think is the greatest professional wrestling match of all time? And you got to give me one. Ain't I a bastard? Okay. It'd be Flair Steamboat. Uh oh, I would say <laughs> my partner's on, getting already. sick. I'm already he's starting to convulse. This conversation. But, but, okay, why? It's a great hey, answer. Flash, hold it's on, Flash. Great, How could that a, be considered the greatest uh, wrestling match when only two thousand people would see you, all three of those always matches? Always go back to that. That was a trilogy. Well, of hold fans. on a second. Go ahead. Okay, first. help me out. Randy Savage and Ricky Steamboat, the WrestleMania mm -hmm. three was a great match. Right. But you go back and watch it. It was a good match, a good solid match. Going in, and so many guys try to copy that match now. It's so pathetic. Well, and, I, I'm going to say to you that Flair and Steamboat tried to copy that match. No, Savage and Flair. There were so many. What they did, there were so many false finishes. That just, but it was basic stuff. Nothing was ever. It was nothing ever complicating. It was probably complicating for Steamboat having to memorize everything. If, geez, I would be. I well, would be I mean, was it wasn't that the the best part of that match? It was realism, right? That in in, in it, when we used to watch, uh, love wrestling as much as we did, a simple cover. That's what you tried to do: cover your opponent and win the match, not hit him with a triduple uh, flip off the top. But it, anyway, not yeah. This, but that's that's what they do now. That's yeah. like now every when they try to do a WrestleMania match and they try to copy the Steamboat uh, Steamboat and Flair or Steamboat and Savage. It's you. Hit, they hit him with every big move, and it's like, Jesus! You got now you're hitting your you, when you use your finisher on. You watch the raw. I'll hit my finisher, and there's an easy three count. Now I get hit my finisher three or four times before I can beat you. No. Hey, you see. All right. DVDs so what's the greatest the match minute? of all time, Flash? He just said Steamboat Flair. That's his answer. I say, I'm not I say Flair Steamboat. I'm not yeah. accepting that. <laughs> no, that's perfectly acceptable. And don't listen to him because he, you know, he's always doing this with those guys. Was it the oh, trilogy? Man. You got you're going to pick any particular one because they had a trilogy. Uh, you know, to me, it okay. might have been the one in the it's middle. I think. But Which one? Positive. The one with 500 people saw yeah, it. I knew the other it. one with 1500 people again. saw it. Oi, this is unbelievable. The Shy Town Rumble was good. There you go. Shy Town Rumble was good. There you go. There you go. Honestly, I think it's the blue. I think it's the blueprint for a lot of the stuff you see AEW trying to give you without the cartwheels. I feel like that was the beginning of this is a wrestling clinic, and AEW likes to put on their version of a wrestling clinic, but you got gymnastics. I don't think that's that much of a difference, to tell you the truth. I don't know what your take is, but nowadays the wrestling has become so, you know, with AEW, it's all an athletic contest, but to me it's fancy gymnastics. And I can't. I can't really knock anything. They're talented guys. Oh, it's not that. I'm not saying that either. And, yeah. But uh, I don't know. I think there's – here I am. I'm showing my age again. But <laughs> this, is stuff I, this is stuff I was told, and I was out there, and I was doing a million things also. But less is more. And – those guys, you can sit there and look at Rock and Hogan. Oh yeah, what did they really do? Oh, that was and they why, had the people in the palm. Uh, they had the right. people in the palm Such of their hand. Theater. So oh with that, Flash, I want you after this interview, turn the lights off, rethink about your answer, and report back to me next week how you will change <laughs> your favorite match because you know I was the, loving the interview is, until that this portion. Is, of this it. is unbelievable, <laughs> Flash. Un unnecessary okay. heat here from my partner. Unbelievable. What's he going to call back next well, week? I, I saw Hogan Andre. It's Hogan Andre. <laughs> oh, no. my Lord. All right, Flesh, we want to thank you. And, yes, uh, thanks, bro. Hopefully thank we can you. have you on again soon. Thank you again for a wonderful interview, and thank you for taking your time out. Hey, no problem.
We'll talk soon. All right. Guess Thanks, easy. Pl- All right, Flash. Yeah, well. Not bad for a part two. Straighten my pledge pin. Huh? Not bad for a part two. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was the sequel. That was the sequel. That was the sequel. That was Not good. so sure I want to agree with again. Why do you always pick on Steamboat and Flash? I don't know. But with that, send us out. Man, you've been watching Monty and the Pharaoh, the very rough Mike Monty. And uh, d- until uh, next time, later. Thank <laughs> you.